we are still praying. Let's continue to give thanks for today. That Lord, this evening, your word is coming to me. Say, Lord, enlighten my heart that I might receive your instructions. Enlighten my heart that your understanding might come to me. Lord, open my eyes. Say, Lord, open my heart. Open my eyes. Open my understanding. That's why I have come. I have not come to play. I have come to have my understanding open. Lord, open my understanding this evening in the name of Jesus. That place where I thought I was okay, but actually I am not. Lord, I ask of you, in the name of Jesus, open my understanding. In the name of Jesus, we have prayed. Now let's declare that word of understanding as we begin to study. One, two, let's go. Now I declare that the Lord has given me the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. And I'm being filled with the knowledge of his will. In all spiritual wisdom and understanding, as a result of this, I'm walking in a manner worthy of the Lord. I am pleasing him in all respects. I am bearing fruit in every good work. And I'm increasing in the knowledge of God. Now again, I incline my ears to his word. The word is entering my heart. It is giving me light and direction. It is healing me in every area. And it's making me more and more like the Lord Jesus. In the name of Jesus Christ, amen. 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 I said amen. amen. Find it's your portion today in Jesus' name. Amen. The Lord has given you insight. It's your portion today in the name of Jesus. Amen. Let's open our Bibles. Don't sit down, please. Open to everybody. Just remain standing. Let's read from verse. Um, let's read from verse 65, and we are going to end it in verse 80. No, let's read further down. Let's read to verse 88. I hope you don't mind. Uh-huh. What else are we doing? Not to read the word of God. All right, let's start from 65. All right, the Lord is good. All right, the Lord is good. Now, I'll do it that, that we did last time. I'll read 65, and then you read the next line and all of that, okay? Psalm 119, from verse 65. I'm reading with the New American Standard Bible. All right, I'm going to read from verse 65. Thou hast dealt well with thy servant... O Lord, according to thy word, 66, teach me good discernment and knowledge, for I believe in thy commandments. Verse 67, before I was afflicted, I went astray, but now I keep thy word. Thou art good and doest good, teach me thy statutes. The arrogant have forged a lie against me. With all my heart, I will observe thy precepts. 70, thy heart is covered with fat. But I delight in thy law. 71, it is good for me that I was afflicted. He said that I may learn thy statutes. 72, the word of thy mouth is better to me than thousands of gold and silver pieces. Thy hands made me and fashioned me. Give me understanding that I may learn thy commandments. 74, may those who fear thee see me and be glad because I wait for thy word. I know, O Lord, that thy commandments are righteous. And that in faithfulness thou hast afflicted me. 76. Oh, may my thy loving kindness comfort me according to thy word to your servant. 77. 77. May thy compassion come to me that I may live, for thy law is my delight. May the arrogant be ashamed, for they subvert me with a lie. But I shall meditate on thy precepts. 79. May those who fear thee turn to me. Even those who know thy testimonies, 80, may my heart be blameless in thy statutes, that I may not be ashamed. 81, my soul languishes for thy salvation, 
I wait for thy word. My eyes fill with longing for thy word. While I say, when will thou comfort me? Thou, he said, though I, verse 3, though I have become like a wineskin in the smoke, I do not forget thy statutes. How many are the days of thy servant? Where will thou execute judgment on those who persecute me? The arrogant have dug pits for me, men who are in accord, who are not in accord with thy law. All thy commandments are faithful. They have persecuted me with the lie. Help me. The disciples say, They almost destroyed me on earth, but as for me, I did not forsake thy precepts. According to thy loving kindness, so that I may keep thy testimonies. Now notice that they almost destroyed me on the earth, but as for me, I did not forsake thy precepts. That is, no matter the pressures that I may have on this earth, I will never forsake the precepts of God. Recently in Nigeria, what happened because of uh, attacks here and there, Christians wanted to become militants too. Yes, I like what the, the vice president said that time. He said, remember, don't allow these people make you into what you are not. And that's one instruction we must bear in mind. The Lord is good. I said the Lord is good. Now let's take our seats. Let's just continue from where we stopped last time. Last time we, f- we ended um, analyzing the verse 70. Two, we ended in the segment that ends 72, even though we began to read again from 65. And I just did that because I want to review for a moment uh, what we said last time because it's so important. I said something to us that this is the most important prayer. That's um, Psalm 119. That in, in it, David was focusing again and again on his relationship with God's word. He was not focusing on his material needs. He was not focusing on his problems. He was not focusing on his afflictions. And they were many. Are you getting my point here? But what we do many times when we are not properly taught in today's Christianity is that we focus on our afflictions, we focus on our troubles, we focus on the things that we think are our problems. So that if somebody needs a job, you'll be sowing seeds and praying prayers and fasting and praying because of that job. But if you notice, David kept on saying again and again, he will highlight his problems like we saw a number of them here. He said that they almost you know, destroyed me on the earth. Verse, that's, that 87 we just read. But as for me, I did not forsake your precepts. What was important to him is that this affliction will not make me forsake the precepts of God. Are you getting my point? That was a prayer in the midst of the affliction. He will tell you that before I was afflicted, back to that 67, I went astray. But now I obey your word. I keep your word. That is, he began to see everything in his life in light of his ability to keep God's word. That's what he was doing. He wasn't seeing everything as, okay, um, when will God answer me? When will God answer me? When will my seed germinate? When will my righteousness pay off? No. What he was just seeing is that if I focus on the word of God, all my problems will go away. And if my problems have not gone away, probably my focus is not good enough. I hope you're getting my point here. That is, the more the problems intensify, the more I focus on the word. And I understand that the problems are engineered by the enemy to distract me from the word of God. Two, the problems are allowed by the Lord to test my dedication to his word. Two of them going side by side. You are getting my point? Two of them running together. But it's not as if God doesn't know that I have these issues. He's just saying, how, how much can this distract you from this word? If we start seeing our lives in that light, we will react differently to things. Sometimes when I look at the issues of the nation, you understand? Of course, it comes again and again and again. I, say, people don't, I wish we would understand what God is testing. You know, you know what God said? I have chosen you in the furnace of affliction. Not when things were good. When I wanted to separate men from the boys, I allowed all of them to go into affliction. 
Do you get my point? That's what God does. And one who don't realize it, you know, oh God, I feel so sorry for people, that you don't realize that this earth is short. You know, I keep on saying it. Our stay on this earth is very short. Though. If you like, eh? Live to be 120 years old. You will, have, you will get a record, trust me. In this modern age, you will get a record. 120 years old, you can prove the time you were born. Guinness Book of World Records will put you inside their book. At least you will make it to be at least the oldest African. But that length of time, the 120 years is not enough for the angels to tie their shoes. I don't know whether I get my point. It's a short time. It's very short. You know, the Bible says like this, that this, the day is like what? A thousand years. A thousand years is like a day. So that 120 years is less than just about 10% of a day. Just like an hour when the angels are looking at it. And you are not going to die permanently. I hope you understand that. Don't let anybody deceive you that when you are, di- you are, when you, when you are dead, you are dead. You are not dead. You just change your clothes. That's what happens. When you land, maybe you are coming from the moon, you get to the earth, you remove the, that space suit you were wearing. It's a different thing that's going on right here. The, 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 the environment is different. You can't walk around with that space suit. That space suit you use in, this, in space, if you try to walk around on the earth, that thing weighs, I don't know how many cages. You can't carry your leg up. The one they use for walking on the moon. Because the gravitational pull on the moon is very weak. That one is designed to pull you down to the moon. Try to walk on the earth, you're surprised. You can't move, so you remove it. In the same manner, when you have to leave this earth and go to another realm, you have to, what, you are, what you are wearing, what that thing that your cloth is covering, is another cloth in itself. Do you get my point? Yes. So you just remove the clothes, and then you wear something else. You will get something else to wear. You will not just be unclothed permanently. The Bible says you will be clothed and new. There will something else be given to you. However, right? This is the point I'm going to make. And that's the fact that don't get attached to this earth. One day it will pass away. It will literally pass away. What the Lord is doing is producing something in you that cannot pass away. The spiritual traits, it births in you, can't pass away. The love, the joy, the peace, the long-suffering, the patience, all those things that he births in you on this earth, they can't pass away. I hope you're getting what I'm saying. That's a matter of fact. Let's get it clear again. This is Mahogan. The angels think it is dust. They think it's cloud. They can't lean on this thing. This thing cannot bear the shoulder of an angel. The substance is made of will not let him rest on this. He will pass through it. If Jesus does not slow his resurrection body down, he walks through walls. Concrete walls that people were hiding. Of course, it wasn't concrete. maybe mud, brick, whatever they used their own. You know? But these were walls people were hiding behind because of, uh, because of Roman soldiers. The Lord Jesus, with the resurrection body, passed through it like nothing was happening. One man I listened to many years ago was preaching. That man used to preach scientifically. See, every scripture is a molecular power. The same I explained something to us was that the vibration that he was trying to explain. He said if it was possible for him to amplify the vibration of his molecules, the molecules of his body can pass through a wall. I said, mm-hmm. But it's so true. It's so true. Angels have bodies. Just that it's not made of the same substance that this one you have is made of. I want to explain something here. So what this thing that looks real to you, that your car that looks so nice, that your building that looks so fine, believe me, when you die, you won't even miss it. You won't feel bad. You won't look at, ah, see my fine building on the earth. Nothing like that. Though. You're just going to look down and say, so that thing was actually not worth it. You'll look at it. 
Everybody, look, I've heard this again and again and again. I told you at that time, one man, this man, big man of God, rich man, apart from being a man of God, was wealthy in the world. Just before he died, I think he was ill for a while. One of our, one of our Enugu big men went to visit him. So I went for a program later where that Enugu big preacher was preaching. Just a small meeting. And they were just talking about our life. He said he went to see that man, and the man took him to the basement of his house. You know, one of our one guy told me once. He said he served in a house where, if you see a brand new Camry, if you see a new Hilux, he's security man. The men inside that house, they don't, they don't, they don't have time for Japanese cars. What do they drive? Bentleys and Rolls Royces. Their homes like that. So in that house, hmm? if you see one fine car park, you look at a sharp Honda, latest model Honda. Say now police is a carry. That is the security details attached to the big men. But the men themselves, they enter Bentleys, Rolls Royces, Jaguars, you know, the high-end ones. Now what I'm talking about that this man, that's the kind of life he also had. So he took this other man to his basement and showed him cars parked there. And said with his own mouth, see all of these things, they mean nothing. He died the following week. And this is a man who has seen everything. You know, some people are so foolish. You know what they will say? Hey, let us see it first. <laughs> you know, you just say things that God will use to give up on you. God just say, this one cannot be corrected. <laughs> no, there are people who talk. They don't know that God is listening. I'm making up his mind that this guy is a real mugu. You know, it's not, you know, if I call you a fool, I may be judged. Are you getting my point? But it's horrible when God calls you a fool. A one rich man that said, I've laid up everything. You know what God said? You fool. God, please, don't foolize my life. May the Lord not call you a fool. There are things we do. The Lord will almost say it. You tell somebody, look, this is vanity. Let me experience it first. I will know whether it's vanity. Because it's no problem. I'm going to, and this is how he's going to do to somebody like that. He will take you to an electrical installation where they put danger high voltage. And they will say, you must experience it first. Too. I will not give you the wisdom to believe the danger written on the high, the, and high voltage. So it will toss you into Nepal Transformer. Then you will be electrocuted, you will now die. Then the angels will say, what happened, Lord? He say, he wanted to experience it first. People will say, what happened? That guy went and taught high tension cable low. And we were warning him. God said, you don't understand. He did, they were preaching. And they said something is vanity. And he said, let me experience it first. That was the day I gave him over to experiencing high voltage first. What I want to emphasize. The Lord is not interested in material things as he is interested in the spiritual traits that he's producing in our lives. Because he knows that the material things will pass away. Are you getting my point? He knows. And passing away quickly... Quickly, too. Quickly. And then sometimes I look at, I just imagine the Lord looking down at us. You say these people are very foolish. Look at the way they are laboring for things that perish. You know, do you know there are women who marry a man because you give them a good wedding? How foolish can an adult be? Then a year after the wedding, the man drives them away. Are the ones that drive the man away? I don't know which is, which one drives who now. 
What I'm going to say, sometimes we make choices. The Lord is not looking at us. Are these guys okay? Are these all right? Hmm. You have to plan for the future of your children. Because, okay, let me hear. How are you planning? I'm kind them to Sodom and Gomorrah. Because <laughs> what did you say? I'm kind them because Sodom and Gomorrah, the land is well watered, like the garden of the Lord. Because no problem. Can we have an agreement? When I rain fire and brimstone, don't call me. There are little things we do, and God just will just say, You don't believe. Please go and listen to our series, Total Faith. Go and listen to it. There I explain that you can't just wake up in the morning and say you want to believe God for something. Faith, you either have it or you ain't got it. That's the way it is. You either have it or you don't have it. You can't just decide that today I am going to believe God that the sun will rise maybe from the south. You don't just make up your mind. You can't just make up your mind I want to believe God for healing. You can't just make up your mind. I want to, no, you can't. The faith either is there or it is not. If it is there, it will work. You're getting my point. If it is there. Now, what am I going to emphasize? I'm not emphasizing towards that. Listen. Is the faith there or it is not? It is not shown in your ability to receive healing. It's not shown in your ability to receive money. It's shown in your ability to make choices that please the Lord. That's why faith is first demonstrated to be real. So the little choice we make sometimes, when I give us an example all the time, you say a man wants to marry or a woman wants to marry. Say, I can't marry anybody from this area. You are a Christian, no? You are not a Muslim, you are not a pagan. You are not a follower of T.B. Joshua. You are a Christian. You now want time to marry. You now say, where is she from? They say she's from Imo State. And you, you are from uh, where? I'm from Anambra State. Both people are speaking the same language. Now, my problem is, and they call themselves what? Christians. And the same person now turns tomorrow, goes to his office. I command prosperity to come. Because if you, you don't believe now. Yesterday I wanted to give you a wife. You remember that she's from Imwa, from Anambra. And you can't marry. So you therefore did despite, old English, to the blood of Jesus. You insulted the blood of Jesus, divided the body of Christ, and now come next day, you want to use that same faith that you don't have to call prosperity into your business. The Lord looks at you and says, oh boy, if not India help you smoke, let it clear from your eyes because you don't have faith. It's not about whether it was working or not. You don't have faith. Please listen to the series, Total Faith. That's the point we made in that Total Faith. You don't have faith if you can't obey the word of God in small things. You don't have faith if every time they give you a better paying job, you have changed. You don't have faith if every new investment that makes money, you have entered inside. You don't have faith. It's not when you want to receive something, you know whether you have faith or you don't. It's when you want to obey something. That's when you know whether you have faith or you don't have faith. It's when it is time for obedience. Not time to collect. It is when it is time to obey that you know whether you have faith or you don't have faith. I've seen people that ah, say, no, me, I've told God oh, by next year. I've told God oh, by next year. I remember the person that I'm thinking of now. I said, did you ever even ask God, what do you have to say? Is everything I've told God oh, by next year? 
I've told God though. So faith is always collecting, 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 collecting. The first thing faith does for you is give you the ability to give. Give when I say give now, I don't, I don't mean exchange you. I don't mean kalo kalo. I don't know whether you're getting my point. Because this is when you talk, you have to balance things for Christians. When you say faith gives me to give, as I'm giving, right, I'm just receiving. That is not giving. That is what investing. There's a difference. God loves a cheerful giver. He does not love a cheerful investor. I also, I have to stop. You know, once I get there, I'm what? I'm stuck. So I refuse to say more than that. Back to my message. Back to my message. Faith, Jesus said, I have the power to lay it down. That's the first thing. If I have the power to take it up again. You are getting my point here? Very important for us to understand it. So with faith, the first thing it does is give us the ability to obey. It gives us the ability to obey. Back to the man of marriage. Faith first gives the ability to look at your friends and say, or your, your village people, and say to them, sorry, I know all of you agree on this, but I have to disagree. Why? Because the word of God says, henceforth, we don't know anyone after the flesh. If anyone is in Christ, he's a new creature. She's a new creature. The person is new. All things have passed away. We're not supposed to be discussing where the girl is from. You should be discussing what? Is her faith genuine? That's the only thing we're supposed to be discussing. Is, so I start asking, is her faith genuine? If the faith is genuine, that's all that matters. Where you're from is secondary. You know, no, that's a secondary. Is it relevant? Okay, it's only relevant in so that we know how many yards of cloth we are buying. How much is your bride price? Do you understand? That's the only thing. Let's know where we will travel to. That's all. As we're making up our minds, no, it's not allowed. There are these little things we do and our faith leaks. They will not get tomorrow. We're having business problems. We start calling God in the name of Jesus. The Lord is not looking at you like this. Me? Are you talking to me? God, what wisdom said. Wisdom said, now I'm talking. You're not paying attention. He said, in the day of your trouble, you will call me. Me too, I will not answer. That's real seed sowing. Let me teach real seed sowing. This seed is not, I take money, I put it down, go, multiply it. That's not real seed sowing. Real seed sowing is that I obey God today. I use it to prove that really I have faith. It's a faith that's been tested. It's a faith that's been tested. It's a faith that's been tested. It is the faith that has been tested. So if I fail in my faith today, and I get up tomorrow, and I draw a faith that is dead, and I want to use to collect something from God. Many people are declaring and declaring every day. And the angel said, this guy sings well. To them, it's a song. So angels are going to, angel will be whistling. One angel will ask the other, what are you singing? Say, I'm singing that guy's song. What is it? I receive it. I receive it. <laughs> they just see the guy as an entertainer. He receives, receives what? No. Because he doesn't have the faith, she doesn't have the faith. Faith is not what you think. Let me just say something to you, to you quickly. Faith is not whether you think you have it or you don't have it. I don't know whether you're getting my point. Let me say it again. You may think you have faith and you actually don't have it. Or you may not realize you have faith, but you actually have. Now, what do I mean by that? Let me explain what I'm trying to say. Faith can be dead it can be alive. 
Now listen to this. Both of them feel the same to the owner. Do you hear what I said? Faith may be dead, may be alive. But to the person who has the faith that is dead, he feels exactly the same like the fellow that has the faith that is alive. It's like corn. If I hold corn in my hand, if it's been boiled and then dried, which means it is dead, it will feel the same like the one that is alive, that you can plant and it can germinate. Are you getting my point here? The difference is when you plant it. What I'm going to say, many people, is the day of testing, they realize that they've been operating by false faith all their lives. They go to their shelf, they see a bottle full of corn, grain. They think it can be planted. Then one day they go and plant it. They feel convinced that this thing works. Then after a long time, it doesn't germinate. Why? It does not work. Why? The faith is dead. The faith is what? Dead. When James said in that chapter 2, that faith without works is dead. He wasn't saying, go and look for works to give your faith life. He was saying, if your faith is alive, you will know by the works it produces. You get the point? If it is alive, the works of righteousness that is producing is a way by which we know it is alive. That's why I say, you know, I've said it here many times. Those who go to church, whether I argue, once saved, always saved. You know the truth? Their pastor was never saved. He's just a professional pastor. Wears a fine suit, dresses well, combs his hair very well, sets everything well. But the guy is not born again. And that same pastor thinks that he's womanizing. One girl in the choir is his girlfriend. The secretary in the office, he sleeps with that one too. The church money, he does it the way he likes. He twists the word of God for money. Then they tell him that, you see, righteousness is in the heart. Your spirit is born again. It's not your body. Your body is not what the problem is. It's your spirit. Your spirit is a new man in Christ. Hallelujah. Your spirit is born again. It's made like Christ. It's exactly like Christ. Whatever you do in your body does not affect your spirit. Tell that guy, I said he will go to hell. Do you know why? He does not believe. His faith is dead. His faith is fried. They roasted it before it was given to him. He just does not know. The problem is that he doesn't know it. So every time he's preaching, he has the wrong concept in his mind that he believes. But it's just an assumption. And the assumption in him is so firm that he walks up to the Lord Jesus and said, I cast out demons in your name. Demons in your name. Yeah. He's so sure of it. He said, did I not do good works in your name? Did I not raise the dead? Did I not pastor a church in your name? And the Lord Jesus wouldn't argue and say to him, you're not telling the truth. He would say to him, yes, you did all of that. But I never had a personal relationship with you. Why? Look at your life. You are a doer of iniquity. Look, let me tell you the truth. Don't let anybody get into that argument. Tell the person, if you are comfortable with your iniquity, you are not born again. You are lying. I know I'm born again. You see, that's the problem with faith that is dead. It deceives the possessor of it. 
That is a problem with the faith that is dead. It deceives the person that holds it. Gives the person wrong confidence. He gets promoted. She gets promoted in church. You are the head usher. You are the head deacon. You are the deacon in charge of this. And of course, one day pastor is needed, you are an assistant pastor. Then once you have been assisting, you can be deputizing. And after you deputize for some time, a new branch is opened, they, pay, they put you as what? The head pastor. I went to look for one man in this town one day. When I got there, I said, I'm looking for someone so He said, oh, you're looking for a pastor. I said, is he a pastor? He said, yes. He's a pastor. He said, pastor, pastor. Okay. Pastor, all right, fine, pastor. No problem. Pastor. Then one day I told somebody, I said, I saw a funny pastor today. I described his looks. The person said, where do you see him? I described. He said, he said are you serious? I said, yes. The fellow just picked up the phone. And called his wife. I said, baby. So, so I thought he was abroad. I was there sitting down. He said, yes, he's in London. He said, I'm sitting here with Pastor Banky. And he said, he just saw him now. So he hung the phone. First time he said, hey. I said, Banky, you know what? I said, what? He said, that guy claims he's abroad right now. He impregnated one woman in town here. His wife and children are in Lagos. This life is very fun. So he told that other woman that, don't worry, I'm going to divorce my wife and marry you. And that one just fooling herself. Then one day my wife traveled, went to London. She went to the UK. And the taxi man that picked her up happened to be a Nigerian. So they got talking. You know, it was a long ride from the airport down to her, my sister-in-law's place. So they talked at length. And the taxi man asked my wife that, how do you people make pastors in that your country, sir? I said, what do you mean? He began to describe his brother-in-law, who he's a notorious womanizer. When he comes to London, he will drop his wife and his children with him, the taxi man, and go and check himself into a hotel and be playing games. Nintendo games. <laughs> Are you getting my point? PlayStation 4. What's that Microsoft doing? Xbox, all of this one are different types of women I just described. <laughs> so they were talking. They got to a point. And I said, wait. Right from inside his taxi, she dialed me in Nigeria. and said, what is that guy's name again? That same guy. I mentioned it. He said, hey, small world. I'm in a taxi driven by his brother-in-law. Because the guy was talking. My wife was looking like, ha, this guy is sounding too familiar. She called me from there. I said, she said, oh, small. We said, I will talk to you later. We just later. I just need to hear that. It was later that the guy, my wife, later in the evening, she was not telling me that. See what happened. He talked to me, that me, told me this, this, and that. And it happened to be that same person that you know. And guess what? He's a pastor of one of the big denominations in Nigeria that have branches all over the place, locally, internationally. I will not tell you the name of the church. <laughs> Some of you came from there. <laughs> I will not talk. Any way you talk, now you talk. Come. I feel like telling that, tapping that guy on the shoulder. 
don't be deceived. You have never believed. The person praying to you that your faith is in your heart, you still take it to heaven with all of these things, is not telling you the truth. Your faith is dead. The faith that is alive is known by the works of righteousness it produces. So don't judge yourself. Why do I have faith? Ah, ever since I began to believe God for that car, I have not changed my mind. You have been stubborn since you were born. You know. <laughs> it's not the sign of faith. Some people are very stubborn. They think it's faith. Yeah, when they argue with their father, they don't change their mind. Argue with their mother, they don't change their mind. Now they're arguing with God, they won't change their mind. <laughs> That's why a lot of people who are career Mr. Stubborn, you know, there are women that you can never discuss with. They will never change their mind on anything. They know everything. Same person will not tell you tomorrow, I'm believing God. <laughs> Say, okay, forget that. You don't even believe me. You want to believe God. Forget that. <laughs> Just go get forget that you are not believing God. You are, your faith is lying to you. You have one that is what dead. Oh, that is dead. Dead. So, so I'm understanding. So faith is not how confident I feel. No, it's not how confident I feel. A lot of fools as they are rushing into the place where angels they fear, they are feeling confident. You know that. It's not faith. It's stubbornness. Genuine faith is known by how it transforms an individual. Genuine faith is known by how it produces works of righteousness and godliness. That's genuine faith. If your faith is not doing that for you, you're lying to yourself. You have been deceived. So in Psalm 119, we're talking about that. So David, teaching us here, that our prayers must be focused on obeying the word of God. All other things will be added to us. When we want to pray, let's remember that the Lord is our portion. Our aim is to keep his words. Our focus is on the word of God. And then, like I said to us before, this Psalm 119 is in segments. Each segment has its an emphasis. I just went over that one again, the one we talked about last time, 65 to 72, just to you know, kind of recapitulate briefly that afflictions may come. The aim of afflictions is to remove us from obeying the word of God. That Satan is using it for that. But God is testing our faith and teaching us how to obey him. That is the role of afflictions. And we'll know how to interact, I mean, judge our lives correctly. It's understanding we need. It's understanding we need so we can judge our lives correctly. And that's why David kept on asking, give me understanding. In the midst of affliction, give me understanding. If I have understanding, I will judge the situations of my life correctly. So now we're going to the next one, 73. David will ask, now what is the focus of this segment? I'll just, this is my understanding of it. Let me just share that one with you briefly, and then we'll use it to pray. He said, Thy hands made me and fashioned me. Give me understanding that I may learn thy commandments. Now please notice what he's saying here. The, seg- the, the focus of this segment, the way I understand it, the focus of this segment is on understanding the purpose for your life. Understanding the purpose for my life. That's the focus of this segment. That's why he began it with, Thy hands made me and fashioned me. Quickly, let's open, just go further down to Psalm 130, 139. Just to save time, I quickly read it. I'm there. For thou didst form my inward parts, 
Thou didst weave me in my mother's womb. I will give thanks to thee, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are thy works, and my soul knows thee very well. He said, My frame was not hidden from thee when I was made in secret, and skillfully wrought in the depths of the earth. Thine eyes have seen my unformed substance, and in thy book they were all written. That is, the days that were ordained for me, when as yet there was not one of them. That is, when none of them had happened, all of them had been written in thy books, or in thy book. So you see that verse 13, it says, You formed my inward parts, you wove me, or is it thou didst weave me in my mother's womb. Now, notice that point. The same thing David was saying was here. Thy hands made me and fashioned me. Give me understanding. That's, I'm back to 11973. That I may learn thy commandments. May those who fear thee see me and be glad, because I wait for thy word. I know, O Lord, that thy judgments are righteous, and that in thy faithfulness thou hast afflicted me. That is trying to bring me back to the reason why you gave me life. O may thy loving kindness comfort me, according to thy word to thy servant. May thy compassion come to me, that I may live. For thy law is my delight. May the arrogant be ashamed, for they subvert me with a lie. But I shall meditate on thy precepts. May those who fear thee turn to me, even those who know thy testimonies. May my heart be blameless in thy statutes, that I may not be ashamed. Now what's the focus here? What was David focusing upon? When he said that give me understanding, this is my understanding of it. He was saying there is a reason why I was born. That's the summary of it. There are two things Christians have as an assignment in life. Just two things. First of all, this is the most important one. It's what Paul calls a calling. It's what Paul calls a high calling. He call, call us saints by calling. What is a calling? The first and primary assignment for every believer is Christ-likeness. If you read my book, How to Work for God, that's what I was trying to explain. The first and primary assignment of a Christian, the first segment is, that I said the work, of, the work of God is inside. That is the first thing God wants from us is to see his word working in us, building the Christ-like nature into manifestation. That is the first thing. The first assignment of God is not to carry a microphone in church and be a church worker. The first assignment is, this is how I used to be. Now, I've been born again. The spirit of Christ literally has been put inside me. Now, I now have a job. Like Paul said, you walk out from the inside, bring out the salvation with fear and trembling. That is, you know, I was thinking about it the other day. I think I've even thought about it here before. When Jesus said, cut off um, if your right eye makes you sin, what should you do? Pluck it out. Okay, if that says your right hand makes you offend, what do you do? You sharia it. You cut it off. Now, is it literal? Uh, don't just say no. <laughs> Somebody say yes. Don't just say yes. <laughs> just wait. <laughs> when he was speaking, was it being literal? Now, that question, you can look at it two ways. The answer, it can be literal, it may not be literal. Jesus used to speak in, in figures also. All right? For example, he said, you swallow a, a camel. And you strain out a gnat. That is, a gnat, a small insect. You remove it from your water, yet you swallow a camel. You know, nobody swallows a camel. They just can't swallow a camel. So obviously, he was speaking figuratively there. All right? Now, but was it literal in that particular situation? Maybe. Maybe not. But this is the point. Now, listen to this. What was he saying? If your right eye is causing you to 
sin. If your eye is causing you to sin, you should remove it. What was he trying to explain? He was trying to say that that is how important it is that you do not sin. So that if it is your right eye you remove to prevent the sin, please remove it. Now, what does that mean? It means that do everything necessary. Usually, if we know our right eye, our eyes will go, we'll have found other things to do. I don't know whether you got that. Yes, yes, he wasn't saying the cure is removal of the eyes. He's saying you have to put every effort in to remove the sin, even if it means plucking out the eyes. Now, usually, if plucking out the eyes will be an issue, you know we'll have found other things to do. You are getting what I'm explaining here. He said, okay, your right hand is the problem. Cut it off. If you know your right hand will go off, trust me, you will find other ways. That's what we were just trying to say. So whether it's literal or not, we were just saying that if that's what is necessary, and I realized that, believe me, if that was literal, we will find other things to do. It will not become necessary. I don't know whether I get my point. If we have to take that literally, we will discover there are so many other ways to prevent us from sinning. For example, the eye is making you sin. Eh? Go to where the eye is not supposed to see anything. Now. If it's okay, let's assume you're always looking at women and committing adultery in your heart. You go and join the monastery. I don't know whether I get my point. That is better than going blind. After all, if you go blind, you won't see anything. So go to a monastery where you won't see anything anyway, and you won't be blind. Now, I'm just giving you an example of what it implies. Now, now, that's not the main discussion. The main discussion is that that's the primary job of a Christian. Put every effort in to bring Christ-likeness out of you. When they say cut off your hand, you may not have to literally cut it off, but you may have to resign the job. Yes, that's what it means. I've told this story here again many times, but it's a good story. A man called Ed Cole. Ed Cole was a Baptist minister, well known for his books on... Um, and um, what was the book on manhood? Yes, how to be a man and all of that. So one day, man called him and said, "I'm having a problem here." So what's the problem? So I'm having thoughts of adultery. Ah, good Christian man. In fact, that's why he called the pastor. If he was not a good Christian, why would he call the pastor? He just go and hide somewhere and do what he wants to do. Sure. Yeah, you get my point. So the man asked him why. So Ed Cole explained to him, asked him a number of questions. Said, "Where is this coming from? I don't know." After, after a while, I guess by word of knowledge or by word of understanding, he said, look around the office. Is there any woman there sending you vibes? So he looked. He said, no, I don't think so. He said, well, come to think of it. My secretary. He said, but I never thought anything of it because she's a pastor's wife. He said, now that you're asking, I realize that since I came, things have been slightly different. She dresses a bit more, you know, tease me, tease me, tease me, baby kind of thing. You know, that kind of thing. <laughs> he said, okay. He said, well, don't worry about, um, like, it's not your problem. She's just sending you vibes. And that's what you are picking up. And that's what he, was, he said, that's a spiritual thing, you know. The vibes going out. So you are feeling it. That's what you are feeling. She's calling you, you know, spiritually now. So he now said, what do I do? He said, what do I do? The man said, ah, it's your, he said, you can sleep with her. Okay, you know, you understand what I was trying to say. He said, "Oh, you fire her. If your right hand, if your right hand causes you to offend, your eyes. So it's like something has to be cut off. 